Welcome to Business Done Differently, the podcast about challenging the status quo, creating fans first, and changing the game in business. I'm your host, Jesse Cole, and it's showtime. Welcome back to another solo session. Today, we are talking everything disruption. And we believe that if you don't disrupt yourself, you're going to get disrupted. And I'm gonna share today how the bananas had developed a mindset of disruption and how we are trying to disrupt the sports industry, but most importantly, disrupt the fan experience. I'm gonna share today why I believe every company needs to be focused on disruption and building that into their culture and DNA. I'm gonna share how we've been able to do it with the bananas and also our future plans of disruption, which is important as well. Next, I'm going to give some examples of some new sports teams, new leagues that are dramatically disrupting the sports landscape to give some ideas on how they are thinking and what they are doing. And finally, I'm going to give some lessons and suggestions on how anyone can do it because it is so important now more than ever as a company to look, what are you doing that's dramatically different? Things are moving very, very fast right now and companies are going bankrupt. Companies you never thought would go bankrupt are And it's because they were resting on their laurels, resting on their past successes, as opposed to thinking about what's next and what are they going to do to change and dramatically change their business model. And we've heard the word pivot more than any word this past year. It's more than pivot. It's actually need to be in your DNA of this is what we're going to continue to do. We're going to invent, we're going to disrupt, we're going to do new things for our customers to create fans. And it's scary. It's created a lot of Uh, challenges and adversity for us over the years, but we know it's the best decision. Even at first, as Jeff Bezos says, you have to be willing to be misunderstood. Anybody that is disrupting at a point will be misunderstood because the general public is not ready for it. And I continue to think back to Netflix when they split the company and said, we're focusing on streaming instead of doing the DVD rental. And everyone, it was an uproar. I mean, people were fired up and the stock plummeted because you know, we weren't ready for it, but they were ahead of the time and they knew what was right and they beat everyone to it. And, you know, they're dominating with 200 million subscribers. So today it's disruption. So, you know, get mentally prepared, get buckled up, you know, let's try to think differently. And that's something that I think is so, so important today. So let's rock and roll. Want to start first, you know, why is it so important? Why does every company need to be focused on disruption? Well, You know, it's very easy to say, look at what's happened in 2020 and 2021. Uh, These might have been the two greatest years of disruption. Obviously, it's even at a faster pace right now, but, you know, everything's gone virtual. You know, we're paying differently than we've ever paid before. Everything's now become cashless. You got the Apple wallet. It's changing. We're watching things differently. You know, look at movie theaters that are all potentially about to go bankrupt. Everything's watching now on our iPads, on our smart TVs, on our phones. We're investing differently. You know, NFTs are wild, non-fungible tokens. I'm just learning about these today, but we'll talk a little bit more about how sports teams are using them. But it's fascinating. Those have just started really coming along. I mean, look at Bitcoin and, and everything else on, you know, it's wild what is happening. So the disruption has been expedited 10 times over over the last year and a half. So if you are not even playing that game of disruption, you're left behind. And we've seen that over and over and over again. So, you know, you look at very simply some of the biggest companies that have been disrupted. You go back earlier to Blockbuster. You know, they were resting on their laurels of being tremendously successful, but it was completely inconvenient. People had to go there, drive. They'd show up. Maybe their movie's not in time. They would have to pay late fees if they were late. They had to rewind. It was a lot more work. Uh, Netflix completely disrupted that. I mean, think about Borders. You know, Borders, one of the biggest bookstores, obviously, 
obviously Amazon disrupted them. They're gone. Toys R Us, same thing. You know, Toys R Us actually made a deal with Amazon to let Amazon sell their products online. And that was almost the beginning of the end for Toys R Us because people could get the same toys uh, on Amazon quicker, faster, at a better price. And Toys R Us uh, thought they were in the toy business instead of being in the experience business where they would have won big if they made it more of an experience at their stores as opposed to just buying toys. And now you look at retail, JCPenney, Belk, J. Crew, they're all filed bankruptcy and the list is growing and growing and growing. And Amazon has completely disrupted them because of their ease and virtual and digital experience. And so, you know, the way it's been done just doesn't cut it anymore. We need to change. So whatever industry you're in, what is the next experience? You know, we're always focused on best practices. And I say this over and over again, but we need to be focused on next practices. We can't just look at what's that other bank doing or what's that other uh, realtor doing or what's that other mortgage company doing or what's that other restaurant doing. We need to start taking things from outside of the industry and thinking what will make a faster, better, more unique, remarkable experience. And that's where disruption can start. So It is time now, it was yesterday, to start really disrupting and not being afraid of taking experiments and doing things that may not work. That's theory, what disruption is when you're trying something and really going to break the norm and challenge the status quo and the industry standard, it may not work. But how do you do more of these small bets? So let me give some examples on the bananas and kind of what we've started doing to start that path of disruption. And, you know, it was easier for us to disrupt because we had no other choice. You know, we weren't this huge, successful, multi-million dollar company. We were failing, and this started with our first team in Gastonia and then Savannah, but we were failing. It's easier to try dramatically different things when you don't have all this past success and all these expectations that have been built on what you are supposed to do. And so, you know, for us, it was a very easy first step, and we, you know, decided what business we're in and what business we're really in. And and for us, we could not compete in the baseball business. Uh, We still can't compete in the baseball business. Major League Baseball will always be better than us. And so it'll be a better level of baseball. Triple A will be a better level of baseball. You know, top baseball in Japan and Korea will be a better level of baseball. But what we thought we could be the best at and compete was entertainment. So, you know, whatever business you're in, you know, you often look to the leaders in your class and say, oh, they're the best at this. Well, play a different game. It's part of the Blue Ocean Strategy, a great book that talks about this, but play a different game. So we played the entertainment game and obviously our disruption started with disrupting uh, the players and the player experience. And by having players do choreographed dances every game, by players delivering roses in the crowd during games, by players involved in music videos and involved in videos that don't involve baseball, we focus number one on entertainment. Number two, a big disruption for us was the tickets, the ticket experience. Every single team in the country had a ticket. And with your ticket, you then come into your ballpark or your stadium, your arena, and you buy food and drink. You pay for your parking, you pay for your programs, you pay for all this. And we said, no, there's a better way. And some teams had dabbled in all you can eat, but no one did it better than the cruise ships, cruise lines. You know, all of your food is included on a cruise ship. So we said, well, why can't that be that way in baseball? Let's disrupt that and see if we can figure it out. So the next form of disruption was, you know, let's make every ticket all you can eat and all your burgers, hot dogs, chicken sandwiches, soda, water, popcorn, dessert. And we started at $15. You know, often when you disrupt and you do something new, you don't know what the appetite is going to be for that new disruption or even for the price. 
but we said let's try $15 because we thought as a fan that would be a good price that would seem unbelievably uh, huge value and we said let's roll with it and as I've shared before in other podcasts we obviously struggled at first and the lines were brutal and we didn't know how to do it because no one else was doing it and that's true innovation when you do something that's never been done before but we knew at the end it would be a better experience and now to this day at any bananas game in Savannah, you cannot get a ticket unless it's all inclusive and it's all all you can eat. That's something that most teams won't do because they see the success of, well, if they buy a $5 burger, a $5 drink, a $4 hot dog, they buy chips for $3, they're making so much more money. That's how they see it. It's their past success. We didn't have that pr- former success, that previous success. So we said, let's roll with it. It's better. The next little disruption, and if you look at any arena, sports facility, stadium. They're big on events. We failed miserably with the events. When we first started, we did a craft beer kickball league. We did a food truck festival, beer festivals, a haunted stadium, a running with the bananas. You name it, we tried it. And what happened was, yes, they were bringing in revenue, but what we were having to do is having to sell, 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 sell. And it was hurting our brand. And any time that you look at your social media, look at your emails, look at what you're sending out to your customers and fans, if your majority of the things that you're sending out are sales, you're in trouble because no one wants to be sold, no one wants to be marketed to, and no one wants to be promoted to. And that's what we were doing. And these events weren't even really on brand. A haunted stadium? Like, you know, that's scary. Like, I hope when you go to a Bananas Games, you're not scared, unless it's maybe by the Mananas doing a weird dance or something, but not actually terrified. And that just wasn't on brand. And they weren't making a lot of money, so we eliminated that. That is disruption in the sports industry because that's a huge part of everyone's business. But again, it doesn't go into what we can be the best at, what we can be the only at. Everyone does events. It doesn't make your brand special. What do you want to be known for? And we don't want to be known for these weird little events. We want to be known for the circus-like baseball experience that we provide for our fans. So that was clear. The next disruption that we did was we eliminated sponsorship. And I've talked you know, heavily on this. And it's obviously created a lot of controversy in the sports industry because it is a huge form of their revenue for most teams. But, you know, this isn't something that we believe we could be the best at or actually deliver a remarkable experience. Everyone has billboards. Everyone has program ads. Everyone has announcements at games. It is not a fan's first experience to deliver that. When you come to a 1926 ballpark like Grayson Stadium, we want you to fall in love with the history of the stadium and the fun at the stadium, not fall in love with ads, you know, telling you where you should go get your insurance or where you should buy a car or where you should buy a house. You know, that took away from the experience. So we eliminated that, which is a complete disruption because it goes against the financial model of how most sports teams make money. And I'll tell you, since we've done it in over a year, since we've announced it, our merchandise and our fans that we've served has gone up dramatically, almost 100%. And I think it's working because fans are realizing that they believe in who we are and what we stand for. And they're not, we're not just trying to make money off them. We're not trying to make them as the product that, uh, hey, you can get in front of our fans and try to sell to our fans. That's not the model that we want to be a part of. Um, you know, next, I'm just going through this list of disruptions so you can get some examples. And then I'm going to talk a little bit about future and how you can do it as well. But next, Bananas Insider. Very unique as far as sports. We decided to do a monthly subscription for our fans to watch our games and behind the scenes in a different way. And, you know, obviously, we thought that if we created something unique in the way we show our games with drones, with mic'd up players, with letting fans determine who could pitch, with showing the game in different unique camera views and 
having you know cameras in the dugout during the game and just being able to see it in a different way we thought that added a unique value now has it worked out tremendously no you know in the off season we have three to four hundred insiders you know during the season i get up to 700 800 it's not a money maker but that's not what it's about it's about trying to do something uh, that's unique that adds value to some of our diehard fans and the ones that love what we do and i think every company should have some type of community built for the people that truly love what you do, the VIPs, the top, and give them something else, some another level. And that's been something that's worked for us. And I don't know if any teams are doing this monthly insider subscription right now, but it was something that uh, has been a very good experiment for us. And then the final two, Banana Ball, I've talked at length about it. We constantly watched and watched and watched our fans leave games early. We watched as the games got longer and longer. We watched what's happening in Major League Baseball, and we said there's got to be a better way. And now for over two and a half years, we've been practicing, working on, tinkering on a faster game, which our fans have titled Banana Ball. And yes, it's the game with a two-hour time limit and no stepping out, and every inning counts, and fans catch a foul ball, it's an out, and all these unique rules, one-on-one showdowns, it's nine unique rules. And, you know, that's not going to be the end of it. I I think Banana Ball is a living and breathing thing, just like Walt Disney said of Disneyland. And we're going to continue to evolve to make the game better and more enjoyable and more exciting for fans. But this was obviously a huge disruption um, because no one else is crazy enough to develop a new game that fans don't understand, that it's confusing uh, to an extent. And it's still a learning curve for fans to understand what's happening. But, you know, we've done it now. We've done it now three, four, times in front of fans and now we're doing it in savannah and for our spring series and with our premier team and on the road and we're going to continue to get more data watch fans how they react get more feedback and to continue to make the game better but yes even not being afraid of disrupting your entire industry with how it's played when you're in the entertainment business and you know what business you're in it's very easy to make that decision because we're not in the baseball business and when you're in the entertainment business you will do whatever to create the most entertaining product So it doesn't, of course you can mess with the game, but when you're in the baseball business, you can't mess with baseball, that's your business. So again, really understanding what business you're in, but what business you're really in. When you have that guidepost, it makes it very easy to make these decisions on disruption. And then finally, our premier team, and this was a great discussion and conversation with our leadership team that said, you know what? why do we have to just play in a league? Why do we just have to play during the summer? What if we played year round? What if we developed our own team? What if we weren't in a league? You know, as soon as you ask those what if questions, you can develop something that's really disruptive. And yes, we developed our own professional team, actually two teams, the Savannah Bananas and the Party Animals. And there's no rules in the regards to we can have anybody that can play at any age, at any level. And it gives us complete freedom to really do more tests and more experiments. So as we had our first tryout and, you know, almost 100 different players from all over the country showed up and, you know, traveled thousands of miles to be a part of this. It showed that, well, you know, players want to be a part of it. And with all games for our spring series selling out, uh, socially distanced sold out, but still 2,000 uh, each night in Savannah and 3,500 each night in Mobile, it shows there is an appetite for this disruption. And so when you look at that, starting with, you know, small and having your players be a part of dancing and the entertainment, knowing what business you're into, looking at the tickets, to looking at what are you not doing? You know, what are you not going to, who are you not going to serve? And for us, it's been sponsors and uh, different events at our ballpark. And then 
then looking at, you know, how do you watch the game? How do you play the game? And when do you play the game? And so literally every question we've asked and pivoted and been able to disrupt, and it's built to this DNA that uh, we're just getting started on looking at new ways to make the game, the experience much better. So that's a little bit of backstory on what we've done. And I'll share a little bit about the future. I love talking about some of the ideas, some of the plans, you know, Walt Disney, again, one of my biggest mentor, he was constantly talking about the future. He was so far ahead of his time and, you know, looking at Epcot and, you know, the new city set up and it was so far ahead. He was, uh, people were working on theme parks with him and he was like, no, I'm working on a new city. And I think that's uh, aspirational. And I think it keeps you really motivated and inspired to disrupt. And obviously Walt Disney did it better than anyone. He no longer had amusement parks. He built theme parks. He built a way to make you feel. And he had bigger plans to do that with cities until his unfortunate passing. So future disruption, uh, you know, a big thing for us, you know, we've talked about the game. We've talked about how you watch the game. We've talked about when we play in our teams, but I haven't talked much about the stadium. And I'll tell you, um, the stadium and your place of business is probably the biggest opportunity for disruption. And I know everyone's going digital and I understand that, but there's still gonna be a, a need for people to come together and to see how and where you do business and your experience. I mean, even Amazon, who's the king of digital, you know, they've got those Amazon Go stores that they've built and obviously they bought Whole Foods and I bet you they continue to buy retail to really try to win on that experience. So for us, our stadium, you know, we're titling in a banana land. And when you look at a stadium, words matter. And obviously, again, back to Walt Disney and cast members and guests and attractions, not rides, words matter. But for Banana Land, when you start saying Banana Land instead of Grayson Stadium, you start imagining more of an experience and more of an all-encompassing land, similar to Disneyland. And I think we started to ask some serious questions and we're working on some unbelievable master plan renderings with things at the stadium that I never, ever, ever would imagine, you know, from... You know, we have zip lines going across the field to breweries, to speakeasies, to, you know, hidden clubs underneath the stadium, to Banana Beach, to Airbnbs, to rental, you know, places where you can actually sleep and live at the stadium, to unbelievable historical tours, to we've just tried to reimagine how can it be a different experience. And I think that's the question. How can you experience a game? Baseball, even though we're making it faster at two-hour games, it can still be boring sitting in the same seat. And I believe the future of sports is not as a spectator sport. It's an opportunity to you know, create your own experience and how, oh, did you get to go to that show? Or did you see that? Did you ride the zip line then? Oh, did you see that special experience? And you start asking those questions very similar, yes, to Disney. It makes it very interactive, very unique, and something that's remarkable that you need to come back for. Most people, they go to a sporting event, it's like, ah, I've gone this year, I'm good. I don't need to go again. But how do you create all these different experiences where you have to go again? So that is a big thing that we're looking at. And again, the way to watch a game. You know, we are asking questions, well, what if your seat moved? What if you don't have to just sit in one spot? What if you can have four or five different ways of viewing a game part of your experience? So when you ask those questions, a lot of cool disruption ideas come from it. Next, you know, media. You know, I think every company is a media company. We've learned so much from Gary Vaynerchuk on this. Every company is a media company. And I think when you start thinking about content first media and contributing value to your customers, uh, it changes the way you look at uh, from a disruption lens. So for us, we see ourselves as a media entertainment company. Everyone's a contributor. So I see disrupting with our players, you know, being writers, videos, pictures. I see our fans contributing stories, blogs, written. I see all these different between podcasts, video, written form. Everybody's a contributor. 
And so I don't see us just having, yes, we have a strong video team, a strong marketing team, but I see everyone that experiences the bananas experience will be contributing to our media. And, you know, I think the digital experience is going to be huge. I think storytelling is essential. So if you can have fans telling stories, players telling stories, coaches telling stories, broadcasters telling stories, everybody that comes to experience the game, the show can tell a story. And I do believe short term is going to win in the end. TikTok has been unbelievable for us. It's booming. And because short form is huge because the reality is people are wanting things faster and they can be entertained so quickly by so many sources that you have to really be able to hit them with 15, 30, 45 seconds or a minute of just nonstop action. So we're going to really think about how do we layer in that digital experience and make it even quicker, faster, that people can get uh, everything they need. We're in a highlight world. And so get to it. If you're a business, what do you do quickly? You know, we've heard the elevator pitch, but show it in a quick way. Give that visual. That's going to be very, very important. You know, we're going to continue to look at uh, aging down disruption. So, you know, if you look at uh, Facebook started for colleges, Snapchat started young, TikTok starts young, Instagram starts young, everything ages up. And so we're going to look now at Bananas Baseball Academy to start, you know, with 10-year-olds, 9-year-olds and younger and developing this way of playing baseball in a fun way. Yes, they will not be in yellow uniforms because they're not quite ripe. So they'll be in green uniforms to start. But how can we age up and disrupt how baseball is played for younger kids and make the game more fun. You know, players should be allowed to dance. There should be promotions at Little League games. The game should be a circus. It should be fun. It shouldn't just be a regular baseball game. So can we disrupt the younger level of baseball? We're going to ask that question finally. And then the last two things on our future disruption is the consumer products. I think um, whatever business you're in, how do you create a brand that is so cool that people want to buy merchandise from you? I mean, imagine if you're a bank and everyone wants to wear that bank shirt because of who you are and how cool you are. Imagine that. It's just a different mindset. It's very easy. Oh yeah, you're a sports team, Jesse. People want to wear the bananas gear. Well, yes, but our merchandise is growing dramatically, like I said, over 100% month over month. And I think it's because we're doing more things that our fans find cool. You know, people wear Yeti gear like crazy. They're a cooler company. It's wild. So what can you do to look at your consumer products? For us, we're going to really explore food and drink. You know, we've already experimented with our banana beer and our banana cream soda. We're going to continue to look at our liquor uh, specialty drinks. And I've talked about uh, the slippery banana and how we did a drive-through with that. And I talk about our banana blackout drink, which we're going to uh, probably introduce this year. Um, But yeah, consumer products, I think, are huge. We're looking at different levels of books. You know, Emily just released her kid's book, which was a huge response. Hundreds of books were sold in the first day. And, you know, we're going to look at fan fiction books. And we're going to look at um, some more business books, um, some more storytelling that I think that long form can also have a spot to create some more fans. And finally, fan ownership. You know, fans, we've let them make all decisions and so many things involved our brand, our name, our mascot, our jerseys, pick players for our team, which we did with our premier team. They picked the last player, uh, choose who's going to pitch in a game like we did this past season. But ownership, I think giving fans more ownership is going to be a next level. And uh, we're very interested in that as well. So that's some of the future disruption. And now I want to get into a little bit of the sports world disruption because it's fascinating what's happening and you're starting to see obviously some of the innovators mark cuban um, they've been accepting bitcoin for a few years but now they're accepting their own dodge coin as a currency to pay for tickets and merchandise so any fan that's a member of their mavs fan for life club can partake and so mavs owner mark cuban he was asked about this and he said well you know why are they doing this and he goes well one very important earth-shattering reason 
because we can. He believes that sometimes in business, you have to do things that are fun, engaging, and hopefully generate a lot of PR. So we will take Dogecoin today, tomorrow, and possibly forevermore. So, you know, they are selling these tokens and they're involving their fans in it, which is very interesting. And I think, how can you look at you know, new ways to pay, like I mentioned in the beginning of the show, obviously sports teams are jumping into this. And uh, AC Milan, the soccer team, st- developed fan tokens as well. And in one day raised $6 million. And these coins give access to voting rights and polls, VIP rewards, super fan uh, recognition, different discounts. Wild, you know, fandom is huge. And that you can access these fan tokens, I think is fascinating. And so those two examples of obviously ways to pay and get fans involved is huge, but no other team or league is doing it better than the fan controlled football league. And I have been paying a lot of attention to what they're doing. It's fascinating. I think it is the most fans first any sports team is being. And, you know, coming from a guy who started a company called Fans First Entertainment, that says a lot. And I'm very inspired by what they're doing. And if you've been following at all, they just started recently. It's a seven-on-seven football league with Johnny Manziel as one of the quarterbacks. And it's played in arenas. And I'll get to kind of how it started. But they are the ultimate of disruption. And I'm on their website, you know, Fan Controlled Football League. And they started with buying an indoor football league team in 2015. And they became the Salt Lake Screaming Eagles. They actually let the fans choose where they would be from and they let fans name the team. Then they did the team, then they designed the logo and then jerseys. Then the fans helped recruit players. Then the fans hire the coach and the fans even picked what beer they would have on tap. And the team went six and 11 or six and 12, but they not only did that, but they let fans start getting involved in calling the real time plays for the offense. They let the fans choose the plays that they were going to do. And it was a huge test and it worked out really well. And now they are doing this on a national level. They inked a deal with Twitch. And so they're doing all of their games on Twitch, which again is very smart. Twitch is a platform for video gaming and now obviously showcasing live sports. And it was a great mix because what they saw is fan control football league. Could we combine you know, the video game aspect that's so big right now, esports taken off versus actual real sports and get our fans involved and ultimate disruption here. And what they did, they actually, they play with no fans in a TV studio arena. It's set up like a TV studio, the lighting, all the cameras. It's literally almost a TV studio, a 50 yard field. And they develop new rules. There's no kicking, uh, no field goals, no extra points, one-on-ones for the two point conversion, wide receiver versus a defensive back. And they let fans pick some of the rules in regards to, you know, catching uh, with its whether one foot in, two feet in. They gave fans some of those options. And every game, fans develop points and IQ, fan IQ points, and get to have more power in determining what plays the offense is going to run during the game. As a fan, you got to choose the team you want to support, and then you get all in. And I just think, what a great model. You know, this opportunity to give fans more ownership, more say, more involvement will win in the future. And I think it'll win for any business as well. You know, we're so afraid to let up control because we want to dictate everything. But what if on these small little risks, you start letting your fans, your customers have a say in what you do? That ownership is so powerful for disruption. And I think this fan-controlled football league is setting the model for that. And it's inspiring to us as we've been dabbling in this for years. And we're going to continue to do that. So... 
that I think is the perfect segue transition to how do you uh, disrupt? And so no matter what business you're in, how do you today build that culture of disruption? And I think the starting point always is to watch what frustrates your customers and to put yourself in the customer's shoes. I think that is the starting point. And I took a lot of inspiration from the story of T-Mobile and Charlene Lee explains a lot of this in the disruption mindset, but talks about how people hated the contracts of, you know, you think back to your days, you know, when we all had these cell phone contracts and you can never rip them up, you can never break them, you had huge fines, it was brutal. They said, no, there's no more contracts. T-Mobile did this when they were in last, they had no share at all really of the market for cell phones. And they said, you know what, we're gonna go the opposite. We're gonna give no contracts. And they kept making all these announcements of new things they were adding that was for their customers. And they dominated. I mean, they had higher growth and bigger growth than Verizon and Sprint and everyone involved. For years, they built a brand. And as a guy who actually you know, got T-Mobile five years ago, which people thought I was crazy, I was watching what they were doing. I was like, you know what? They truly care. It was a better price, better experience, more value, and they were eliminating things that people hate. I think we have watched with the bananas as fans have left games early every single game. And we are so fortunate that every game sells out. But to watch our fans still leave early, when the game sold out, people that wanted to come to the game can't. They're still leaving early. That tells you that fans are frustrated or they've had enough. If people have had enough of your product, that is not a good sign. So that was a starting point for us saying, we need to make the games faster. We need to make them more entertaining. We not need to find necessarily how do we keep them longer. We got to find ways better to make the game shorter and want them to want more. And I think that is a key. What will make your customers want more? You got to start with looking at everything that frustrates them, eliminating it. Uh, number two, let go of yesterday's breadwinners. This is hard. You can look and say, oh, wow, you know, this model, this product, this experience generated millions of dollars. Well, sponsorship generated hundreds of thousands of dollars for us. Events at the stadium generated hundreds of thousands of dollars for us, but that necessarily wasn't the future for us. That wasn't what we saw that we could be the best in, that we could be different enough and remarkable enough to grow and scale and be sustainable in years to come. So let go of some of those breadwinners and say, you know what, is this where we want to be in the future? Are we proud of this? In five years, will this be relevant? Will this matter to our customers and fans? If the answer even raises a little bit of doubt, I think immediately question it. And that's what we questioned. We said, you know what, sponsorship, I mean, are billboards gonna be more popular in 10 and 20 years or less? Are program ads gonna be more popular in 10 or 20 years or less? Are these separate events really going to be something that people talk about when they think about the bananas? And by asking those questions, we were saying, you know what, we can let go of those. We can let go and create something that we know might matter and be relevant in the future. So on that note, we're going to look at our future fans. Who are your future fans? This was a big, big game changer for me when I read Charlene Lee's book. I wrote it down. Who are our future fans? And if you look at baseball's fans, the average fan is in the 60s. They have continued to get older and older and older. That is not our future fan. Eventually, that fan, unfortunately, is passing away. We want the young, the fun, the energetic, the people that you know are loved change and new things and new attractions and just the idea of new. They're not traditionalists. So, you know, the great quote, we've all heard it by Wayne Gretzky. I don't go to where the puck is. I go to where the puck is going. Are you going to where your future fans are? 
are you still so focused on your past and your former customers? So many teams are so afraid to upset their season ticket holders by doing something different. Well, most teams, the season ticket holder number is going down because not many young people want to buy 30 games, 60 games, 80 games. So why do we continue to say, well, season tickets you know, generate $1 million for us? Well, yes, that's what they did in the past, but what's the future? Got to let go of yesterday's breadwinners and then focus on your future fans. So for us, our future fans is that TikTok audience. You know, we're very excited about that 12 to 24. And yes, I said 12 to 24. And yes, most sports teams, yes, it is the kids. We do focus on the kids, but, you know, we're focused on that teenager to, you know, young in uh, 20s and to say, you know, we want to create something for them that's cool, that's fun. We believe it will age up. So we are trying to do more unique, fun content with our players, not necessarily baseball highlights. Another great idea on how you disrupt, write a future press release. Amazon does this tremendously well. Whenever they're about to announce or launch a new product that is most of the time with Amazon pretty disruptive, they will announce the future press release a year later after it came out and the impact that it made. What did it do for their customers? Not necessarily saying, oh, we won this award, we won this award. What did you do? Like, What did the Kindle and Alexa and the Echo do and change the game for their customers. So if you're gonna to try to disrupt and create a new product or experience, you know, we'll, we wrote future press releases about our premier team and taking the show on the road and the impact that it made on our fans and how we went to so many cities and about banana ball and what happened with new kids playing it all over the world. We wrote that press release and it gives you an actually this aspiration view of the future on where you want to go. It makes it easier to disrupt. And then finally, a manifesto. This is something I've worked on for a couple years and uh, being honest, I've been afraid to release it because I've really dabbled in it and tinkered with it and adjusted it so long. But T-Mobile, going back to them, they released a manifesto when they were going to be dramatically different. And I'll read a little bit of like uh, the manifesto. Basically, it is starting with a rant. Who are you not? What fires you up? What frustrates you about the industry that you're in? And this is what you stand for. It's your manifesto. And this is something that can guide you on your path to disruption. So for T-Mobile begins, we're not like other wireless companies. Why would we be? They're in the phone company business. We're in the changing the phone company business. We are unapologetically the uncarrier, unwilling to play by the rules they so fiercely protect, unsatisfied with the status quo, unafraid to innovate, and unhappy to be lumped in among them. Someday, when the history of the wireless industry is written, the chapter about today will be titled, What the Hell Were They Thinking? This is an industry filled with long-term contracts, overage penalties, termination fees, throttled data, no rewards for loyalty, everything that is the antithesis of what people love about mobility. Consumers today live in the land of now, tweeting, pinning, Skyping, posting, streaming, all in between texting and status updating. And it goes on for another whole page. And you can see this was written six or seven years ago. The uh, Skyping was interesting. I think I'd be Zooming today. But they're going on this rant and say, we are not going to be like them. How are you not going to be like other people in your industry? That manifesto is the path towards disruption. And here's one that I've, you know, this is still a rough draft mock, but I'll read ours. The fans first manifesto. And I've taken some inspiration from T-Mobile. We are game changers and fanatics. We are not like your typical baseball team. We are not in love with the current game. We are in love with what the game could be. The fans today deserve something better, something faster, more exciting, and more fun. 
Our imagination drives our experimentation. We outthink and don't outspend. We move fast and constantly test things. We don't break the rules, we make the rules on what the experience should be. Some say we are crazy, others say we are not for them. Whatever you say, you cannot ignore us. We are changing the game for our fans. Every game is someone's first game, and every fan deserves a better experience. Every fan deserves to be entertained. We are fanatical about putting the fans first. We don't take ourselves too seriously, but we take fun very seriously. Our stage is our stadium, and we are always on stage. We never stop giving fun and entertaining our fans. We never stop asking questions on how to create the best fan experience. We believe in creating moments that matter and stories that will last a lifetime. We are fanatical about creating these fans' first moments. When you stand for changing the game and changing the fan experience, every detail, every moment, every action can make a difference. We are just getting started, and it's showtime. And that is the manifesto that I've worked on for a while, but it says very clearly who we are, what we stand for, and what we're trying to do. And when you make that clear, it makes it very easy to think on what are you going to do to disrupt your industry. If we're trying to be fanatical about that fan experience, if we are trying to change the game to make it better, then everything is in play. Everything we can experiment with and test and try. So I will leave you with a few other thoughts and hopefully this is inspiring and you know I love taking you behind the scenes to share how we do things. but. I think we all need to ask the question, what if more? We are so often afraid of failing, and I've been there numerous times. What will people think if we fail? But we need to ask, what if? What would be that best fan experience? What would be something that you would be so proud to have someone experience of your product that you would start telling everyone? I think the greatest leaders are the ones that share more, that they give more, and what leaders are out there that really are sharing about their experience because they're proud of what they're doing. Because they weren't afraid to ask, well, what if we did this? Even if it's a little crazy, you know, what could give the most VIP, the most access, the most wowing experience for your fans? How can you challenge the rules of your industry? If this is the way it's always been done, immediately question it. How can you give up control to your customers, to your fans? Let them have the opportunity to make some more decisions. I believe in the future, the customers rule, the fans rule. So how are you just the guide for them? How are you the one that's helping them have that opportunity to create the best experience, the best product for them and everyone that they interact with? So disruption, I hope uh, in five years I can look back on this episode and say, hey, we did more of this disruption than I even thought it was imaginable and was impossible. And as Walt Disney said, it's kind of fun to do the impossible. A lot of the disruption over the last few years, people would say was impossible, but it was because they had the mindset, they built a culture of their team to say, what if we could do this? So hope you enjoyed, hope you disrupt more in this year. If you do some things that are unique, that are different, that are changing your industry, please reach out to me. I wanna hear more about it. I wanna share more about it because people need examples. They need the confidence to say and the courage to say, you know what, someone else did it. I'm gonna do it as well. And I'm gonna do it in a different way that makes a huge impact. So thank you guys. Thank you for listening to Business Done Differently, where we believe that challenging the status quo, creating fans first and changing the game is the best way to grow your business. 
For more information about the guest and topics covered in this episode, visit findyouryellowtux.com or shoot me a note at jesse at findyouryellowtux.com. Until next time, stop standing still, start standing out.